Welcome to the Armed and Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. We have a really exciting episode coming up for you. Come check it out. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today, we have a really spectacular guest, CJ Machado with Love Amazingly Productions, also a photojournalist and veteran advocate. So we're super pumped to have CJ on the show with us. So CJ, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, So you've got a lot of cool stories that we can talk about, but I wanted to just first kind of share with our audience, you know, what it is that you do and and how did you get into um, kind of this veteran space in in your field of, you um, you know, kind of production and video and all that stuff? So I think um, the start of it actually came from a uh, fellow soccer player whose son was uh, dying and is still from uh, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. So I decided to produce a soccer game to help raise awareness and funds for that. And that started the Love Amazingly Productions um, in support of um, Micah Hogan. Um, Then my brother went off to war and served in Iraq and Afghanistan for three tours with the United States Army as an infantryman and infantryman, sorry. And then uh, his um, HEV was blown up by an IED. And that's when I got the phone call that he was in Germany. And um, that hit home. You know, you know that they're gone. You send them goodie packs and care packages. And you're always concerned about me. I was praying for him. <clears throat> but just to know that he survived it it just hit, it hit home for some reason uh then when he was done with his tours he came back a very different person and then once again you realize all that they go through not just from surviving the IED he survived with the concussion thank god however it took years for him to actually um express uh the different types of trauma that our servicemen go through while they're serving and uh finally he uh did let me know how he saw um one of his best buddies get burned to death and could not save him and i think that's the hardest part of wars when yeah. you know they take your your comrades so then from there it just i knew what i wanted to do i wanted to um raise awareness for different humanitarian causes but specifically for our veterans and through that veteran advocacy i would attend meetings called triple threat and i was very fortunate at that time as a photojournalist that they allowed me to attend as a as a guest because usually it's family and family has to get permission even with that so that the um, veterans feel comfortable sharing their stories and their traumas and how to work through anyhow so that's where it started all the veteran adv- advocacy it was because of my brother. And then it moved into meeting World War II veterans that I have to say are my best friends, that um, the people that I hang out with aren't my age. They're in their 90s. The people that I really love and admire and um, appreciate their wisdom are the World War II veterans. So that's how it all got started. Wow, that's really interesting. So um, you've done a lot of different productions on different veterans stories, right? And things, yes. things that have gone on. And, um, I know you're involved with some other stuff. Um, you know, finding 
boats that have been sunk and different things like that. So, um, I mean, we could talk about what you're allowed to talk about on, on that stuff, but, um, we have this, this case here, this DVD cover, uh, Libertas. So this is the 75th anniversary of D-Day. So this yes. is, um, a documentary that you produced, right? Yes. With, um, so this is an interesting story. This shows you when you have a will, there's a way. And after befriending so many World War II veterans, and a lot of their stories haven't been, their stories haven't been told, and that's just because they're humble men who really felt in the day they did what they had to to save their country and make sure that their families were going to be safe. Um, it, it was an eminent um, task or calling for all all. I mean, think about it. the women even helped them out here at home to, to make sure that they could do their job out at sea, right. um, overseas, pardon me. So with Libertas, I had met, um, Tom Rice. And after meeting Tom Rice and found out that he was going to actually jump in Normandy for the 75th anniversary, I decided that, you know what, this would make a great documentary to honor all these gentlemen that served on D-Day. And so from then on, but in order to document something like that, truly, if it's a jump out of an aircraft, I wanted to learn how to become a paratrooper. I was trained with the World War II Airborne Demonstration Team, and so it's parach you're a parachutist, and oh, okay. unless I go through military training, right? Gotcha. So yep. it's just an organization that um, is passionate about serving and remembering and honoring our veterans. So with the Libertas 70th anniversary of D-Day, I wanted to document it well, and in order to do that, since Tom was jumping out of the plane, I thought it might be a good idea if I documented in air with Tom jumping. And the only way I could do that was to be trained. Oh, and by the way, um, on that day, because it was a commemorative event, they didn't allow people to jump out of planes unless you were trained um, static line and with the old type of parachute. So that's why I went to what's called the World War II Airborne Demonstration Team to earn my wings to learn how to jump out of a C-47 and participate oh, wow at the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And um, so the reason why I'm bringing that up in detail is because this project, I probably, I don't believe that I will ever have another project like this, only because the sacrifice that it took to create it was extensive. And not just by me, the director, we had no funding in place. Um, we had to come up with the funds. We were we self-funded everything. And that director, Director Mark Fascara, who's, done several projects, including thud pilots on his father's um, history during Vietnam. Right. But he actually met me in Oklahoma of all places, Godforsaken Fredericks, <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma, to film that training. And so we had dedicated um, filmmakers. So that's Mark Viscara and then his father, the thud pilot I was mentioning, Victor Viscara, who I just love and admire as my own father, he came to Normandy to help document, as did his brother Michael. So it was like a family affair in a sense, all with that passion and will to document the story well. And that's how this got started. We have Bud Anderson, Triple Ace Bud Anderson's in it. Um, Vincent J. Sprand's about all the bulge veteran machine gunner. He's in it. Um, we've just been incredibly blessed, but it was a lot of work. And I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad it was hard because nothing in comparison to what these gentlemen went through for our freedom.
that's really crazy. And especially like the lengths you went through to prepare to do it. So you, so you learned how to jump out of an airplane. Yes. Tell us about that a little bit. I hated it. <laughs> and I could say, they know it and they, they get really upset. Come on, CJ, don't say it like that. I, I, okay. It was terrifying. But once you, every time I jump out, all I was doing was fighting the, 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 you know, the chute would open automatically, thank God, because I probably would mess that up. But the lines would get twisted. So the lines are getting twisted and I'm freaking out because, I, you know, you don't, you, you're trained on how to untwist the lines, but until you're in it, you're kind of freaking out the whole time because you just jumped out of an aircraft. So once you got past that um, and I realized uh, I had a very kind soul, Ryan Kurgidis, who's a a comrade para, uh, parachutist, he said, CJ, I'm lightweight. It happens to me every time. You just got to get that in your head, learn how to untwist it right away and just be good with it. The difference that people may not know why it's so scary, um, besides just jumping out of the plane, it's because it's at a lower altitude because they wanted to recreate how these gentlemen jumped out during D-Day. Oh, wow. So, so you're you talking a lot of time. You have three, four seconds at most to decide, am I going to pull my reserve or not? And so I think getting that out of your, eventually it'll get out of my brain. I've had um, several jumps now, so it's getting easier every time. Wow. So do you still jump? Um, I haven't since D-Day, so I have to recertify and do that, but I absolutely will. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, so I'm sure these guys have some, some crazy, are there any cool stories you can tell us that they have shared with you that maybe aren't on the DVD? Gosh, there's, there's so many. The one that I would like to share with everyone is the lost watch of D-Day. And the reason for that is because, um, Tom Rice, uh, who at 97 years old jumped on D-Day um, in the same drop zone as he did during Operation Overlord, um, he actually got held up. The plane was going at a very fast pace, as you can imagine, um, due to trying to avoid flak. Right. And so they're going at this fast pace and the bundles dropped uh, too soon. So the air, as he's getting ready to jump out, the aircraft lifts about 50 feet and then drops down. And by that time, he had already tried to attempt his jump and he got slammed into the corner of the door. Well, as he got slammed, he stuck there. So he didn't know it at the time, but, you know, it ripped him up from the armpit Ooh. and yeah, and to the hand. And he lost this prized uh, watch that he just admired so much that he saved up for a long time. I think it was like $289, he said at the time, and that it had jewels in it. So anyway, the big laugh is he always comments that he hopes some good Frenchman would find it. Well, with that story, um, after he jumped on D-Day, a lot of the uh, town members knew of the story even before the 75th anniversary. And so as he was talking, as, to show his appreciation, he would give the the town's people that actually helped him get there watches from home so that they would remember that story. And that of course is before the documentary came out. Okay. So then a watchmaker from Presidious watch company, um, Remy Shabart came and said, uh, I'd like to recreate that watch if you allow me to. So that way you don't have to keep giving away your watches. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why I'm telling you the story is because that watch company actually is supporting as one of my official sponsors for further projects, which makes it so much easier to be able to do what you love doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, funding is an important part of it. I know you want more stories about, you know, there's just so many, I mean, we'd be here for hours. That, that. Oh, that's all right. That's right. I think, I think the stories, you know, about world war two, um, you know, there's not many veterans alive anymore from that era. So having someone to 
keep telling those stories, I think is really important. Um, it's such a big piece of our history and something we shouldn't forget. Um, and I know you're, you've been part of like some expeditionary trips, right? And, and adventures, um, finding all sorts of old war planes or boats and things like that. Can you share with us, you know, one of your more memorable experiences from that? There was one that I couldn't share for years, but I can now. So, um, I was, I have to, I'm treading lightly here because there's some (laughs) things I can't say and some things I can't say. Right. So I was on a, let's just say a guest on an, a, a boat to locate a uh, U-boat that many people within the Navy, within the world, basically were saying that's not possible. It's not, it's not, there's, there's no such thing. There's no such thing from World War One. And so Teresa Cinco with A&T Recovery was um, helping me on another project. And so that's why I was there. And here we go. We're watching uh, the screen and there's, this clear markings of a U-boat from uh, wow, from World War One. World War One, and the executive director of the Naval History and Heritage Command could take that information and say, "I saw firsthand this U-boat that Terrace Lasinko from A and T Recovery and his crew basically, um, how do I say, validated that it existed." Right. So that was one of my unexpected. Um, memorable, uh, moments doing what I do. Well, and there's the significance behind that is, you know, there was the, the, the treaty that we signed, uh, during the world war one period where basically we were confiscating German military equipment, right? Yes. And that was part of the deal was to demilitarize them. So they didn't keep trying to take over the world. Yes. And part of that agreement and correct me if I'm wrong, but part of that agreement was we confiscate whatever equipment and we're supposed to blow it up, right? Destroy it from what, I'm, from what I understand. So when Terrace is on your program, he'll, he, he can explain it far better than I can. Okay. But yes, All right. so, to my knowledge. So the reason that everyone was kind of naysaying that this existed is because they were all supposed to be destroyed. Yes. There wasn't supposed to be any available to find. Right. And so. Or recognizable. Or recognizable ones, yeah besides bits and pieces, right? So um, to find one was a big deal. Yes. And and, um, probably took some effort to convince, you know, the Navy and and some others that you guys actually did this. Yes. actually found it, right? Yes. And then the Navy um, wanted to deny that it actually belonged to us. And so that in itself is a whole other story. So I'm going to tell you that, and then we may have to edit that part out at the end. (laughs) Okay. So this was probably, here you are, you're staring at this World War I U-boat, a UC-97, and then to reinforce that, yes, that U-boat belongs to us, obviously, terrorists brings out a document from the Lord of the Navy expressing that, obviously, this U-boat belongs to the United States of America, right? To the United States Navy. But to see that document in person was incredible because then there you have so much effort to basically say what's state, what's correct, do what's right. And then to try and preserve something that uh, we didn't even know existed. So then the fight goes on with that. Wow. To try to recover it because many people uh, within the bureaucracy of the Navy uh, do not want that recovered or perhaps they have their own plan to recover it. 
Yeah. That I'm not aware of. Yeah. Well, that's possible too. Um, and so, and you've been on some different recoveries and so how, how do you get to participate in all that just because of your relationship with, uh, with Terrence or, um, cause then you've been part of a couple of others, right? Uh, Terrence Cinco, he's a former ranger okay. and, um, he has helped me in several projects, but I think the bottom line is, you know, also to the flying leatherneck aviation museum has been incredibly instrumental in my career. If it wasn't for them, the photojournalist part would have never started. Mm -hmm. And that's because of uh, major general Bobby butcher, um, who was the director of the foundation there. And so I think what happens is once people realize that you're pure in heart, that you're doing this for the right reasons, that you're loyal, and here I'm not a veteran, but they understand that I have all the characteristics of a veteran as if I was with them side by side. You know, they know that, okay, she's, she's trustworthy. So we're right. going to help her as much as she's helped us. And that's what's ended up happening. A lot of these gentlemen, it's interesting because you would think as a female, they wouldn't give you the same opportunity. It's not true. And that's where I get defensive on for women. It's like, no, if you present yourself in such a way that's respectable, you can accomplish a lot. And yeah. these guys will die for me. That's what's interesting. Everybody I've worked with, they would die for me as I would for them. So that's why uh, these doors keep opening. That's it's, really cool. Very, very awesome. Very blessed. That's nice. So, um, so what, other, what projects are you, are you planning? You have anything in the works that you're, you're putting together? Yes. So, um, there's a few, but I'm just going to talk about one in particular because it's so has so many arms, so many extensions. Okay. So it's called the purple foxes United project. And I'd been working on that even prior to Normandy jump 2019 with Libertas. So I had to put it on hold for a while, but that one is a superhero military project. And the reason why I wrote that, um, to be quite frank is, to try and, I don't know if win over is a proper word, but maybe try to let our youth know that there are people that have died for our freedom. Because even with my own kids, you're born in Disneyland. This is Disneyland. This is not how the world operates. We are so fortunate to be Americans. And so I just wanted to make sure I, that I created something that would really be instilled in the hearts and souls of the American people, especially the ones that have never traveled anywhere, have no idea like how people suffer around the world and just be damn grateful that you're here and perhaps maybe contribute to um, the betterment of our country versus complaining about why it's not so great for you. Maybe you're not working hard enough. Maybe that's the bottom line. Maybe you don't want it bad enough. Right. You know, sorry. I feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how else to explain. If people only knew what I had to go through to create this documentary, they'd say no way. No way would anyone do that. Yeah. If you want it bad enough, you got to will, you got to wait. So back to the Purple Foxes United. So that, that um, project is so intense because I just felt like, okay, if I die tomorrow, I want to make sure that I honor everybody I know that's been significant in the veteran world to me. So it's kind of almost like a personal thank you. So I would slip okay. in different events in the script and tied to different veterans that I truly admired and respected. And so with that project, it really is in the bottom line. And I don't want to give too much away, but I, I have sure. to because there's a set of wings that belong to the um, lead character, LT Williams, that she inherits, earns, however you look at it through the project. 
And on these steel wings, they were actually created by a gal named Jay Stargard from Stargard Art up in Northern California. And she came on board and it took her two months to actually make these steel wings. Oh, wow. And she did it um, in support of this project. She felt that compelled to, to help. And she's got plenty, plenty of projects. She's an amazing artisan. And she decided to do this. She created it in such a way that the feathers of the wings there's these little holes, these mesh holes, and I'll send it to you. And you actually, we place dog tags on it. And the dog tags represent oh, wow. the 1,585 still missing in action of POWs from the Vietnam War. And that's all oh, part of the cool. story so that we never forget these men and women that serve for us. And, and it's a multi-generational project. So there's scenes where I bring in, of course, you'll laugh because in the documentary uh, Libertas, the same gentlemen are in the scene. And it's all fictional, but they're in the scene and on purpose so that you per se, you're watching, you're saying, Vincent Spranza, I wonder who that gentleman is. And then you look him up and then it sparks some kind of an interest to know his story. And so that was, that's the bottom line of it. Okay. As well. That's cool. That's really, really neat. Yeah. It's fun. So, um, so you do a lot in the veteran space and and advocate for veterans. I know um, you participate with some different nonprofits and stuff. What are, what are some of the nonprofits that you hold kind of near and dear to your heart that you, you really gravitate towards? So honor flight San Diego, um, because they spend, these are all volunteers, all unpaid uh, volunteers that help get our world war II veterans to DC, to Washington DC, so that they could see firsthand how much we appreciate the sacrifice that they gave on behalf of us. And with that, um, I decided with the Purple Foxes United in order to fill the wings with the dog tags, Mm -hmm. we have Honor Ride 2021. And we're taking those set of wings cross country to fill that with the Run for the uh, Wall organization and the Rolling Thunder. So a significant addition to the Honor Ride 2021 is a Vincent J. Spranza, paratrooper and machine gunner Bastone, is going to travel with us, actually lead the ride um, in Ontario, California with the Run for the Wall organization. That's where we start our mission. And he's going to start a program called pass the torch so that he could pass the torch to our youth and then remind them of the value of freedom and uh, not to forget the veterans that gave it to them. Also, he wants to hopefully re-inspire the Pledge of Allegiance amongst our youth too, to remember that that's a pledge to our country and please don't dishonor our flag. Right. Save your knees for Jesus. Amen. Yeah. That's big time. Well, I think that message really needs to be heard. Um, It's, it's kind of, it's kind of depressing to see, you know, over the past so many years that as a country, we've kind of strayed away from a lot of the values that that, you know, World War II generation, which everyone refers to as the greatest generation, right? The, the values that they hold so true and so dear to them are really, you know, God on our country, right? And it's, it's country first. It's the United States of America. You know, we're in it together. We're in it for each other. And, um, and it's really become, become kind of the well, the me, 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 me society and why nothing is perfect for me and why it, why it's terrible and why it is it and it's everything sucks. And as you were mentioning earlier, you know, about, you know, people just haven't experienced other parts of the world or whatever, or haven't, haven't served in the military, um, really don't have that same level of appreciation or understanding as far as like 
how great America is and the opportunity, yes. right? I mean, yes. yeah, it's not all going to be handed to you. If, but if you, if you work for it and you really get after it, the opportunity in whatever it is you're pursuing is huge, um, but it won't be gifted. I'm so glad you said opportunity because it's truth. We're full of opportunities here. It's just, are you willing to work for it? Do you want it? that much. The, the name of the show, Armed and Ready, um, has a different meaning or significance to everybody. So I'd like to try and ask our guests, you know, what does, what does that phrase mean to you? Armed and ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take, take on whatever needs to be taken on. But what I'd like to know is where did you come up with that name? I think it's a brilliant name. Um, it, it came really out of a brainstorming session as we were trying to think of how to put this podcast together. What was, what was the target? What do we want to talk about? What was the audience and all that stuff? And, and I think we really kind of landed, um, pretty heavily on like that transition piece from the military into the civilian world. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenge in that transition. And, um, I don't think people really know oftentimes like how to handle that. And the military has gotten better at helping with that. They really have over the past several years improved a lot, but it's not easy for everybody. And, and, you know, we have some people that have become very successful entrepreneurs and, and those have just entered the civilian workforce. And, um, I think when we, we were starting to brainstorm this name and, and we were starting to look at some of the guests and things we could have on and, and what we could talk about that, that was all starting to just kind of come together, right? And how can someone who is in the military be armed and ready for the next phase of life, right? You're not going to be in the military forever. And so how do you get to that next piece, right? Whether you serve five or six years or you serve 32 years, either one um, or anywhere in between, you're still going to have that transition to civilian life, whether you're just retired because you spent so much time in the military or, Hey, you're on your second career. And how do you get there? And what are some of the, what are some of the things that, you know, we can take from others who have done it before us, right. And, and learn from their mistakes and their pitfalls and, and get their, their advice. But what, what do you do to help with the transition? Like, it's homes, correct? Yeah. So I, so I do in my, my profession, I do home financing. So, so VA loans is my, my area of specialty and, and I really market and serve our military community, active duty and, and veterans and become an expert at the VA loan. So really helping them with their, their home buying and their home purchasing. And beyond that even is really helping to create a strategy for them to generate wealth, right? So, you know, the, the, the awesome thing about being in our military is they have structured your life in such a way that buying real estate makes nothing but sense along the way throughout your career. And if you look at the mass of wealth in our country, the, the lion's share of wealth created in our, our country is through real estate. Right. And people have acquired real estate and sold real estate. And that's how many, many wealthy families have acquired that wealth. Right. Well, the military is the perfect setup for any of our service members to start putting their family future in, in line with just acquiring homes as they get their PCS orders and they move to another part of the country and you're picking up real estate. And there's, there really is some strategy to be played with that and a, a forward thought process. And I don't think that a lot of the people in the real estate community, both on the, the real estate sales side and on the finance side are always looking forward 
to that for our service members, right? They're thinking like, oh, beautiful house, got enough bedrooms, it's the right location, let's just go after it and get it. When, when in all honesty, that's part of making that home decision, but you know if you're leaving in three or five years to somewhere else, that's not that's not the end of that decision, right? There's there's another house that you're going to have to find a way to buy. And so there's a strategy that needs to be employed to do all this. And so that when you get out after a 20-year career, you've got a handful of properties, some may be paid off free and clear, right? And you've developed this portfolio of real estate to now set your family up to start creating wealth. I think that's great. How did you get involved with that? What is your background? Um, well, my background, I'm, you know, I'm an Air Force veteran and I honestly fell into the mortgage industry. It was never, a, wasn't by design. Um, my design was to be a fighter pilot and then a commercial airline pilot. So it was never my design to be in real estate. My dad was a realtor and, um, you know, having watched, you know, as a kid, you know, the, the highs and lows of being in that commissioned only, you know, sales family, I was like, well, that's an area I'm never going to get into. And lo and behold, here I am, you know, almost 20 years later. Um, but it really has been a blessing. You know, um, I fell into it by accident with some of my, my best buddies in college and, um, and the majority of us stuck through it, made careers out of it. And um, as I went along, it took me, gosh, eight or 10 years before I really got into focusing in, in the military space. And um, a lot of it was relocating and moving down to the San Diego area, I think, and just having so much of the military influence here. Because I think there's something like a, 11 military installations in this general area, right? So the military presence here is super strong. And so you see it everywhere you go and feel it everywhere um, in the area. And that really was kind of like the aha moment for me. Like, okay, this is this is the area where I need to focus and where I really need to niche myself. And, um, and it was, it was kind of like God's perfect timing, right? Because, um, I was at a point where I was frustrated with the business and, you know, there's so much competition. I, then I relocate to Southern California. I don't know a soul. And there's, you know, a hundred times, you know, the competition that I had, you know, back home and I'm going, Oh my gosh, how in the world am I ever going to hack it? I'm just, another mortgage person, right? Amongst the sea of mortgage yes. people. And um, so how do you differentiate yourself? And um, and really became more of like my passion. I, I started to really enjoy the the clients at more that were military. You could relate to them. I could relate to them. We had more and more in common and it was more gratifying to help them with their home purchase. And so that's when I realized like that's, that's truly where my passion lied was in really helping these families out. And, um, and that's just kind of taken me down this path. I think it's great. Um, I'm going to let everyone know about you as well. Awesome. Is, what is the name of, I know the podcast is already ready. Is that actually the name no. So my, so you can find me online as the VA loan guy, VA loan guy dot us okay. um, is my website. And, um, uh, that's not the mortgage company, but that's me and that's my brand. Okay. Um, and the mortgage company I work for, I'm a part owner in the mortgage company. It's American mortgage network. And, um, you know, we're, we're headquartered here in the San Diego area. And we started that a couple of years ago. And, um, and that in itself has been an incredible story. Um, and we, we've built something so unique to the industry, um, and we're super excited about it. But um, you know, we've we've created an all ownership model, so every employee in the company is an owner in the company. That's wonderful. So, and there's no one person, you know, that because they started it has the lion's share of of equity or anything like that. Like it's it's pretty even, Stephen. You know, and um, 
so that that has been amazing because there's there's so much upside to that yes um current and long term that that part on its own is, is super super exciting but yeah the the branding and my initiative and, and where i would say you know 96 98 of my business is is all va um and um and i love it i love hearing the stories of the service members or the veterans, you know, and what they've been through, what they're going through, you know, PCS moves are hard. They're stressful, right? Yes. And, you know, there's a lot of people moving to and from San Diego. And so, you know, helping them with that is, is really cool because um, can help take some of the burden of stress off their plate, right? By having just the experience of doing it so often and being able to pull that off and, you know, let them let them enjoy that move and like the home shopping process like that, that part can be fun um, when you have the right team of people helping you. And when you don't, it's the most stressful thing ever. So, <laughs> Believe you. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what we do. And, um, and we love it. Well, it's a great service. It really is. And every veteran, every citizen should be able to have the opportunity to own the home. I agree. I agree hundred percent. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're here to help them. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. CJ, I want to thank you for being on the show and, and sharing these cool stories and this awesome experience you've had to do. And thank you so much for your support of our veterans and our veteran community, and especially these amazing World War II veterans. You're very welcome. It's my life, my joy, and I appreciate you having me. It's an honor. Great. We'll hope to have you again soon. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. If you have any questions about the episode you just saw, you can reach out to me at valoanguy.us.